More NBA Draft Talk. We are here. Can they hear us? Mic check, mic check. Good. <laughs> Let's get it, man. Combo Nation, what up, what up, what up, everyone? Welcome to episode 333 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. You know what to do. Rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you tune into Combo's Court. Today's show, Corey Tulliba. Go subscribe to the NBA Draft Dude on YouTube. A fantastic conversation with Corey. We talk 2022 NBA Draft and more. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. the NBA draft dude on YouTube. Uh, just tell me everywhere that you um, cover the draft. Tell me more, man. Tell me more. Um, so I, uh, I I had my YouTube channel covering the draft for uh, about three cycles. Um, I also, myself, with um, a bunch of other people, started the No Ceilings Collective, which is a, a free daily newsletter that we put out every weekday covering the draft um, really in-depth. Um, I mean, we've we haven't missed a day. We launched October 25th. So we're, we're closing in on like a hundred pieces of draft content already. And we're not even at March madness. So, um, YouTube, no ceilings, my Twitter for sure. And then, um, I've been editing, uh, the, the film sessions with Mike Schmitz for ESPN for the last few years as well. So, you know, I got my hands in, in the draft world all over the place. Most definitely. I've definitely paid attention to your content in the past. A lot of nineties vibes out there. A lot of nineties vibes yeah, in your videos. You know, I'm yeah. going to, I was born 86, so I grew up 90s Nickelodeon, Saved by the Bell, WWE, you know, like okay, bright yeah. colors, say, you know, that's that's my thing. And uh, I'm a very, very visual person. So I uh, feel like the first thing I got to do is is be bright and obnoxious to, to real people in. All right. So let's start with Jabari, because his name is really, you know, it's trending. He's on a lot of people's mock drafts and big boards as the number one pick now. I, it kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, he was high on draft boards, but I don't think anybody had him at one when the season started. <laughs> no. What position do you see him playing at the NBA level? And what do you think changed this season to get him up there on number one on so many boards, mocks, and everything else? I think he's like the purest form of a modern-day power forward, uh, like unquestionably. I, his shooting has uh, that's the thing that that kind of I think flipped the switch to make everybody go all in on him because he was he, he was around seventh as an average like on the mainstream boards coming into the year but when he came in and showed that this kid is a sniper um at six foot ten that's kind of what was like wow maybe this kid is, is what does it but the other thing is he defends his, his butt off like and his mobility out on the perimeter defensively is the combination of that three and D at his size is, is really special potentially. Um, I think he will play some small ball five in the, uh, in the NBA, but you know, he doesn't have like the vertical pop as an athlete 
to or like the special length that you see from a guy like Chet to yeah. be like a yeah. full-time rim protector right exactly. but he is he's very intelligent you know he is very good coming over help side walling up going getting vertical and even if he's not getting a ton of like uh you know really high block numbers every game part of that is also he plays with walker kessler who's averaging over four blocks a game taking some of those blocks away from him and he guards out in the perimeter so well um so he, you know those block numbers might go up a little bit in the league but um I think four is just the absolute perfect position for him because, you know, if, if you stick like a, a modern three on him, you know, he's got the height to kind of just shoot over him. Uh, he's probably quick, too quick uh, in face-up situations to, you know, put a, a lumbering five on him. So I, but what he's done, the confidence, he's kind of, he's got so much dog in him. Like he's so passionate on the floor. He's always bringing energy. You never have to question it the way maybe you do with some of the other prospects. So I think that one of the things that people love about him and why they're putting it at one is like, there's not as many question marks about him um, and his game being like a really productive NBA player. Whereas like with Chet, a lot of people question his body, uh, you know, Paolo, maybe people question like his effort level or they compare him to like a Carmelo sometimes. Right. Which is like, both that's not a bad thing, right? <laughs> Oh, I don't think it's a bad thing, but some people probably do, right? Like pe people look at like, when you look at like the Carmelo archetype, like obviously Carmelo came from one of the best drafts of all time, unbelievably productive career, one of the best scorers ever. And has almost gotten a little bit underrated because now you look at him as kind of that, like, let me just go get mine and not do a whole lot else. So some people look at Paolo in the same vein a little bit, like he's gotten compared to like Glenn Robinson, um, you know, th that kind of like, let me go get some buckets and, and not do a whole lot else. I don't personally think that. But I think with Jabari, it's uh, there's just no questions about will he be a productive NBA player? And then it's like, well, how high can his ceiling be? Because we didn't know he could do this stuff. So yeah. I, I think there's a lot of intrigue about what he could potentially develop into while also having this floor where like you pair him with almost any lineup in the NBA and be an elite floor spacer while guarding, you know, multiple positions out on the floor and the versatility. It's, it's he's a really intriguing guy. So you mentioned the word ceiling and I'm still holding on to Chet at the number one pick because of Chet's ceiling. Same. And also I feel that, you know, Jabari and Paulo are probably the better college players right now. That doesn't necessarily mean you're the best NBA draft prospect out of the group. And I would say that I don't hear people talking a lot is Chet's unlocked athletic potential because once he adds that strength, once he adds yeah. that power, all kinds of things could unlock for him. Do you see that as well? Yeah, I have Chet number one as well. Okay. Uh, and and honestly, like I've never really – I haven't really wavered from it much regardless of what the other guys have done because while Chet's not putting up like the big volume numbers, uh, I mean, he's still – the impact that he has defensively even with that lack of strength is exactly. unbelievable. You know, and like – and he's tough as hell. Like he's not yes. soft. So, okay, he's skinny, but go at him. Like he'll welcome it, right? And I, I look at him – he, he's playing in a system right now. He doesn't need to go score 30 points a night. That, that's not his game. But uh, you, you take the showing that he had in the FIBA tournament this summer, you, you transfer it over to what he's doing. Uh, his advanced numbers are off the chart. He's finishing everything inside, like at, at an absolutely outrageous rate. Um, the potential floor spacing. And I think he reads the, the floor as a passer a little bit better than uh, Paolo and Jabari do. I, I just think that like, yeah, he might not ever be a number one guy in the league, but that's fine because the 
impact that he's going to have on the other side of the floor while also still being a really productive offensive player who you can't scheme for in the playoffs uh, to me like he could be you know the the elite of the elite number two and you look at a guy like Evan Mobley who's come in and had so much success and they're not a one-to-one comparison but they do a lot of the the same thing so you can kind of see him playing that kind of role in the league yeah, another guy who took a leap, we talk about Jabari taking a leap, is Wisconsin's Johnny Davis. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, he probably took a bigger leap than, than Jabari did. Um, <laughs> did you see him ever, like, trending towards that top five when you watched him play last year? Obviously, he was contributing last year, but it was nothing like this. No, I mean, you know, like, one of the things I do um, on the No Ceilings site, and I do, you know, that's – it's also I have a podcast called the Draft Act Podcast where I kind of uh, follow – the, the draft stock of players throughout throughout the year and um in the draft deck on the no ceilings I, I have a ranking of like where I average out all the big boards to see how everybody kind of feels taking away the bias that I might have with specific players and he wasn't in the top 30 and honestly he probably wouldn't have been in the top 45 50 either had um he you know had I gone that far uh, now he's trending all the way into the top five of that. So for, that leap is unbelievable. Uh, I'm going to see him uh, next month when they play Rutgers. So I'm very excited to get an up-close look at him because he has been unbelievably impressive. I mean, he, he looks like there's so many shades of Devin Booker out on the court. He, he stepped up in the biggest moment of his career against Purdue, putting up 37 points. And personally, like with from guards, I just love that smooth, never get sped up, play at different paces, right? And some people Mm -hmm. mistake that for a lack of athleticism. I actually think he's a lot quicker than people are giving him credit for because I just think he knows how to play different speeds. Um, I'm a a huge, huge fan, and uh, it's going to be hard to keep him out of that conversation of, like, is he the best guard of the draft? Yeah, I mean, he's just one of those all-around two guards – that could do everything that a two guard should do at the NBA level. But what NBA skill do you think he could like really hang his hat on? I think that um, he's really good at getting to his spots and scoring in the mid range. Okay. Uh, you know, you know, I, I was, I don't want to say I was getting into, uh, I was getting in a dialogue with, with somebody on, on Twitter um, because they posted a, a clip of him going to, to his left, getting to the, the baseline in the mid range and hitting a tough shot. And they're like, I don't really know if, he could uh, do that consistently. Like that was a hard shot that he hit. And then I went back and found, you know, a couple of clips of him doing that same thing against other people. And it's not that like, it was a tough shot that he hit. He just knew how to get to his spots. And I think when a player is confident in knowing what their, you know, their strengths are and uh, you could, it's almost like DeMar DeRozan, like, all right, he's going to get to the little elbow and shoot it. What are you going to do? You're going to stop it. You're not going to, right. the, The best thing you can do is, is just try to get a hand. Um, and I think that Johnny Davis is a guy who I think is going to be able to do that. And once you do that, okay, maybe you're not like coming off a pick and roll and causing the defense to shift, but eventually the defense is going to shift when you start getting to your spots regardless. Um, so I just think he's, he's very intelligent in knowing where his strengths are and, and getting to those spots on the floor. And you mentioned pick and roll. He's an underrated pick and roll player, right? hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, almost uh, in the way where like Cade right now is, is creating so many opportunities for his teammates in Detroit. 
he, he just doesn't have shooters, right? Like Wisconsin's a little bit like that too. And um, Cade didn't have shooters. Cade didn't have shooters in college <laughs> no. or the NBA. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> absolutely not. And and that's kind of you know one of the things he dealt with last year. Um, but Johnny Davis is one of the things I love about his playmaking, and it's really his. He he does it as a finisher as well. Like he's very ambidextrous, so he's made some really great plays where he's passing like weak side corner hits with his left hand, like off a live dribble that really made, you know, your eyes pop a little bit. So uh, I think he's just scratching the surface and there's so much season left to be played. And there's so many things that he's already proved he's good at, but there's so many things that I think people are going to know that he actually is good at that they aren't talking about yet. AJ Griffin, kind of a weird start to the season, but he's coming on stronger lately. He obviously has an NBA frame. I hear yeah. the Jimmy Butler comparisons. There's two guys that I don't really want to hear NBA comps for, even though I respect it. And that's Jimmy Butler and Draymond because they bring a mindset that's kind of like even outside yes. of what they are athletically and their skill set. So I always feel like that's a tough comp. But uh, let me hear your thoughts on that. And what have you seen from A.J. Griffin? Uh, so I, I think that A.J. Griffin plays similarly to Jimmy stylistically. Okay. Uh, I think they move similarly kinesthetically. I almost wonder, because, you know, his dad played for Thibodeau. His dad played, uh, coached mm. with Thibodeau in Chicago. So when AJ was a kid, I almost wonder if he was at practices watching Jimmy um, in person and kind of picking up little things. He wears 21. Um, you know, I wonder if that's a nod to him. But just stylistically, I think they share a lot of strengths. Uh, yeah. But obviously, Jimmy, what makes Jimmy Jimmy is his – you can't nobody can compare to his work ethic the chip right. on his shoulder the way he the way he grew up you know how hard he knows he has to work how he even though he's got the ego and like all right i can do whatever i want when i go into takeover mode he knows that because he worked harder than than you to to be able to feel that way so you know he still has that like hard hat punch the clock in mentality uh so yeah i understand like you never compare guys to kg for that reason Draymond is an outlier, right? You, right, right? Sure, there's a lot of there's a lot of power forwards that could play defense and pass out of the short roll, but Draymond makes Draymond is that he's going to tell you, like, he's just going to talk your ear off and and his his mind and reading yes. things before everybody else. So it's a very hard comp to make, but I I just think kinesthetically they move uh, kind of similarly and they have similar frames at least with Jimmy. Um, but I think like developmentally a good path for him is is a guy like Jalen Brown who uh, you know could play on or off the ball a little bit. AJ's his role this year so far, I mean, he just started last game and, you know, got a little bit more reps on ball, but he's done a lot off the ball. Not, there's not so much catch and hold. It's like catch and attack, uh, cut, you know, baseline, take advantage of, of help out of position, stuff like that. So, um, and Jalen, you know, it took a few years for him and now he's, he's turned himself into like a number one option, but he, he wasn't always that. And, and there was a question mark of whether he could be that uh, or whether he was just like an athletic freak. Uh, so, so Jalen, I think, is a, an interesting developmental path for AJ to follow in the NBA. That's interesting. Uh, nobody was higher, by the way, than uh, uh, on Scotty Barnes than me. I just wanted to let you know that. But, <laughs> okay. but I, I, I mentioned that because do you feel like AJ Griffin could be this year's Pat Williams, Scotty Barnes, and just like, oh, man, somebody dropped him top five. Like, the stats weren't really there. He kind of had a weird yeah. season, but a team just really believes the bench. Yeah, in a way. I mean, I, I think with with Scotty um, or Patrick Williams, they more it was a little bit of a surprise that they went right. top five. Right. Um, where AJ now it's a surprise. 
but he started the like in the preseason he was project, mm, projected right. top five guy right? right so his his draft stock is a little it it's really interesting to follow because he started out as this top five guy then he's coming off the bench he's barely got any playing time and his tank his stock tanks right and now he's a guy that you're looking like is he a first rounder and then he goes on this stretch where he's getting 20 minutes plus and now he's starting and now it's like he's trending back towards the lottery so where his stock ends nobody knows he also has had a ton of injury problems uh dating back through high school that you know maybe teams are a little bit worried about although i think sports science is pretty advanced right now and it's not like it's a back thing like michael porter jr so i don't know how worried teams would be um but how about this like i don't think it would be shocking if you went in the top five given his play over this last few weeks but it definitely would have like uh over the first half of of the season so far yeah I always say don't sleep on a guy that was top five at any point. Like that's why I thought that BJ Boston has a chance to be a really good NBA player. Cause there was a point where he was yeah. like a top five prospect. You know, he just had an unfortunate season with uh, Kentucky. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's part of the, the risk to go into any system. Like, you know, yeah. if you've been around the game at all, like you could look like a star in one system and then you could really struggle to find your footing in another. Right. And, and you're playing a role that maybe you're not so accustomed to. Cause when he was at Sierra Canyon, BJ Boston, like this dude had the ball in his hands all the time. He's shooting off the bounce, all he's creating. Then he goes to Kentucky and he's running off a lot of like floppy and stuff like that. And not necessarily having the responsibility of doing as much creating. Um, and he struggled with that, but now he's the NBA game is a little bit more like the game he played in high school. And, you know, he's showing why he was so talented. Yeah, if you're a star, you get those opportunities. If you're a role player, it's yeah. a little hard to play like that unless you're like 100%. a six-man spark or something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which, look, if BJ Boston turns into a six-man spark, he could be a, a guy who consistently gets, you know, into the six-man-of-the-year conver- conversation. There's, there's, uh, That's a pretty good conversation to be in that you make yourself a lot of money doing that uh, if, if that was the case for him. 100%. So another guy who needs a basketball in his hand, Jaden Hardy. I think I'm a little bit higher on him than you may be. I'm not sure. But um, first of all, you know, the G League, I feel like it's getting no hype this year. I, I don't know. It was like no, it's very quiet. Yeah, it's been like it, it got so much more hype last year, I think, because college basketball has been so fun with the fans back and everything like yep. that. But I just look at him and this was before he kind of broke out, actually, and hit that game winning shot. Like his skill set, like I don't put too much stock into efficiency this early into a season. Like if you give me one or two years and you give me the stats with efficiency and like show me right. that, that's a little bit different. But like one half of one season, I don't put that much into stock. And I kind of look at the skill level and how he can get his shot off when in situations maybe where other prospects can't. Do you see that as well with him? And where do you land on him in, in terms of his draft range? Man, he's I, I'm, I'm going to be writing about him soon. Uh it, in an article that I'm, I'm back going back to my, my love for the nineties, I'm, I'm going to title. I'm so excited. I'm so scared. Um, I had Jaden Hardy one preseason because watching him in high school, I was like, this kid looks like a combination of like Jason Tatum and Damian Lillard, like the range absurd, right. Combo moves for his yeah, age. Yeah. Crazy. I think that his, he's got a really good frame, wide shoulders, right. Broad shoulders that are mm-hmm. going to fill out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he gets to the G league and you can see like, he's a little uncomfortable, but you know, what's so weird about the last couple of years with COVID and everything like it for high school kids, it's such a, a weird time. It's such a pivotal moment of your development, right? Like he's not playing. He didn't go play in the FIBA games. The AAU season's weird. The high school seasons were weird. They were shortened. Uh, 
so and then the, the lockdown the when COVID initially hit when you know we were all kind of uh, quarantining inside like um, you're not right. getting those developmental reps at such a pivotal age. So he's definitely a guy you'd be patient with. I, he's starting to get more comfortable. You could see it. The more you watch the G league, you're seeing the game slow down. Uh, I had a, a scout, you know, tell me they were like, you know what, he doesn't know what he doesn't know yet. Right. And, and a lot of times that comes with just gaining experience. Then you start knowing more things. Um, so I think this is a really good experience for him. And I think that if it, he's dealing with adversity pretty well, right? I mean, he just had his best game of the season after, you know, struggling so far. And when, when you struggle, when you're not used to it, when you're used to being the man, um, and then like a guy like Scoot Henderson comes in and now he's the guy that everybody's kind of focused on and he's not even in this draft. Uh, seeing how a kid deals with that, a young kid, it's like, you know, it, it's impressive that he's, he's improving still and, and kind of taking it in stride. Personally, like, what makes him such a hard evaluation is I, I think I oversold his self-creation ability a little bit. Like I think where, where I've seen him really thrive is like, I think he's been really good off ball and not just in like catch and shoot scenarios or like running off screens. I think he's been, he's done a really good job curling and like getting to the hoop with a little bit of momentum rather than just like going in ISO mode and breaking guys down off the dribble. Um, but he's getting the reps to, two break guys down off the dribble. And I think that one of the things I've been really fascinated with lately is like guys who have the freedom to experiment with their game and not worry about like getting yanked. So like, uh, I think LaMelo ball, it was a really big plus for him in Australia when, even if it was ugly, a lot of times I look at Jan Montero in the overtime elite and he has a lot of freedom. And I think that could be beneficial, even if it's a little ugly sometimes. I think sometimes with Jaden Hardy, he falls into that same camp where he's getting to do a lot of things that maybe he wouldn't get to do if he went to, you know, one of these uh, NCAA schools and was playing college basketball where he'd have to play more within the, you know, the team construct instead of like getting the freedom to play like an NBA player is going to. So He's a, a little bit of a tough evaluation because um, I think that some guys are ahead of him from like just a, an experience standpoint, but that just means he has a ton of room to grow. And obviously like the, the percentages don't do his shot justice. Like that's something you have to see with the eye test. Yeah. I mean, do you see what I see when it comes to his skill level? Because I feel like he's more skilled than a lot of guys than a lot of other guards in this draft. I mean, he got a lot of options when it comes to like, the offensive and his and his on ball creation, which you mentioned, and his start stop, his different finishes in the lane, he get his shot up when he wants. Do you see that as well? Do you see him being one of the more skilled guards in this year's draft? Yeah, I for sure. I mean, there's. I think this is a, a really weird draft in general for guard guard play. Um, yeah. More so point guards. I think than shooting guard. I think there's a lot of good shooting guard prospects. Uh, and he certainly has that, uh, you know, and I think that, like I said, like, I think he has the freedom to experiment and show a lot of that stuff off. Uh, so even if it looks ugly, sometimes he's figuring out what is working and what isn't working. And you're starting to see him more and more kind of understand like, all right, maybe I don't need to drive in the paint now because the help is here. So now I could kick it out to a shooter because they they've overcommitted. Whereas in the beginning of the season, right. He was just kind of using those raw skills in a way that he didn't understand how to like take advantage of it because he was drawing help a lot of times. So I, I, there's a lot of, he's definitely trending in, in, in the right direction and he does have, he's look, that's why I had him number one. It was, he, he has skills that other guys don't have. And I think sometimes when you're doing evaluation, it's like, 
are we playing power rankings or are we projecting? Because power rankings, who's having the best season? He's not having the best season, but that doesn't mean he's not going to be the best shooting guard prospect in the draft, you know, four years down the line. So he's one of those guys that I think you have to be patient with, um, but it could really pay off in a big way. You mentioned Montero. How tough of an evaluation has he been? And how much how much attention have you been paying to uh, overtime elite? <laughs> I've I've been watching uh, a decent amount. Um, okay. And always on mute because it's unbearable to, to, to listen to. It's also well, I'm you 35. know to, to, to be fair, <laughs> what I think they're trying to do is that they feel that commentary hasn't changed since the 1970s yeah. too much. And they want to do something a little bit different, but Look, I, I do, I do get what you're saying though. I do I'm not hating saying. on, I'm not hating on it. I'm not the audience, you know, I'm 20 years older than, right, uh, right, you know, right, right. yeah. And, and I get it. Like it's almost well, more I, I would, like a I would like, stream. I would like to ask people of their audience if they like it though. That'd be like interesting. Yeah. Like <laughs> to get like their demographic, like, do you guys enjoy this? You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and they probably do. Cause I do think yeah. it's very, like, it's very, you know, kids, it's a Twitch stream almost with, with, with basketball. Um, okay. okay. But uh, I, I think what I, I have like a, a, a blind spot sometimes to these like really shifty guards who can make plays and like shoot it off the bounce. So I love Montero. It's definitely a tough val evaluation though. Cause like, even though he's young, he's only 18. Um, he's playing against high school kids. So it's like, you're evaluating him doing all this stuff against competition that isn't on the same level as Johnny Davis and Jaden Hardy and Jabari Smith. But like I said, like going, going to him, it, it almost feels a little bit beneficial in a way that he's able to do a lot of things that some of these other guys aren't. And he's, you know, he has the confidence that he could throw one of those like lamella ball hit aheads. And if it's a turnover, he's not going to get pulled. Um, and then he could be like, all right, maybe I shouldn't throw a, a three quarter court pass next time because it might get stolen. So he has that opportunity to learn, do that stuff. Uh, what's interesting about him though, is like, yeah, this overtime elite thing, it's weird. It's first season. Um, but like, he also has international tape to fall back on. So, you know, it's, it, he's at, yeah, at least, that's true. That's true. At least, at least for him, it's not just like, this is the only thing we get to see of him he also has you know the, the international experience he had a, a a really great showing in um the the nba uh i'm blanking on the game like the, the nba camp that that he uh came to so i personally like i'm still pretty high on him so how would you just because this is really interesting to me how would you describe the level of play when it comes to overtime elite <laughs> it's a lot like an aau game it's it's very up and down, fast break. Uh, you know, it's a little sloppy sometimes. Uh, so it doesn't feel as structured as some of the other leagues. Like even the G League, where these these guys are getting to play up and down. And that's fast I mean, that's like that's really apples and oranges. These guys are legit pros. Hundred percent. That's the thing. Like they're still playing and they're running NBA sets. They're playing NBA defensive schemes. Um, I mean, that level is, it, is significantly higher than college basketball. Absolutely. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. Yeah. So the overtime elite is like, you know, it's high school kids. So right, you, right. you have to take, but it's not like they're playing, uh, you know, the high school team that I coach in Suffolk County, New York, right. They're playing, they're, so, they're playing good talent. It's just not the talent level. So you do have to take a little bit with a grain of salt, but I think sometimes like you, 
it, you could still learn from it because you could see how he's coming off screens. What are his setups in a screen, right? Is he just coming off it or is he giving a little like in and out and then getting guys to shift? So you could still see the the little things like that if you're actually looking for like the, the little details. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's not as easy to apples to oranges, like you say, with some of these other guys. Yeah. So any prospects that you think should be in the top 10 that nobody's really talking about enough? Should be in the top 10 that no one's talking about. Um, this is a, one of those drafts that top 10 is, is fluctuating so much. I, I think a lot of people are kind of souring on uh, like Jalen Duran a little bit. Like, well, that, that's to, that's because of his position, right? The way he plays. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's a little bit more traditional of a center than, yeah. you know, what Jabari Smith is or Chet Holmgren is, well, right? That, that's probably part of the reason you had uh, Jaden Hardy at one, because positionally it makes sense for the league, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, with Duran, like I'm still in on Duran because as much as like you look at the league and say it's trending in certain ways, like he's still a really, really impressive physical profile you know i saw him in person uh last month um and while he didn't like uh, memphis in general didn't play all that well you know i'm still looking at things i could take away because i don't really uh, when i'm evaluating wins and losses uh you know is not necessarily the most important thing on a singular game level uh he's playing in a system that definitely doesn't fit his strengths the memphis's point guard play is not very is not very good. He doesn't have playmakers, and I look. I, I'm trying to think yeah. of like the 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 context of like an NBA NBA offense with all the spacing, and it's like he's going to be an elite dive man. He he finishes everything around the rim. Um, he's I think an improving passer. I think his shooting, if you w- both watch the film um, and you look at the percentages, he's probably a little bit underrated as like a mid range shooter. I don't think he's going to stretch the floor out to three at any point soon, but I think that using the ability to, to pop to the elbow um, instead of diving all the way to the hoop will be a good counter when, when guys start helping and cheating the, the paint. Uh, and defensively, I think he's, he's going to be really impressive because I think that he has, even though he's like so thick and strong, like he has pretty quick feet. He could switch his stance. He's shown instances of staying out on the perimeter on an Island with guards. Mm-hmm. Uh, his wingspan is crazy. Like, so, I, you know what, I think that NBA teams probably still have him in the top 10, but he's a guy that, like, in the draft community, um, he's starting to slip just because, you know, he's uh, he doesn't look like some of these other guys. He looks like a guy maybe you would see in the early 2000s. Any thoughts of what you've seen so far this season from Monty Bates? Um, man, uh, I think that with Imani, it's all going to come down to, like, can you temper expectations uh, from what he was hyped up as? Because, you know, everyone, oh, he's the next Kevin Durant this, never Kevin Durant that. And it's like, it's good, probably going to be a while since we see, until we see the next Kevin Durant. And it's so hard to predict that as a 14-year-old kid. You have to give him time, though. You can't give up on him because he still has shown impressive flashes of shot making off the bounce. And he's a young kid, he, he reclassified. So he's supposed to be a, a senior in high school and he's playing against right. college competition. Um, he's not, I can say that I don't 
think that he's going to be a point guard like Memphis initially tried to, to play him. But yeah. going back, like I said, I like guys who get the uh, get to experiment with their game. And even if it, it's a little ugly now, that's probably going to help him down the line. OK, he might he's not going to be a point guard, but maybe some of those reps that he got running the offense is going to help when he's you know out on the perimeter creating and you know he'll be able to see things or run side pick and rolls and have a different perspective so i i think that him getting two years you know not being draft eligible this year and and having another year and whatever direction he goes whether he's staying at memphis goes to you know maybe the g league or whatever whatever happens i think he's going to have a much better year next year but he's he's struggled this year He's, he's 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 definitely struggled all right last thing before we get out of here in a redraft, who are you taking, Zion or Ja? <laughs> Knowing what you know now. Knowing what I know now, man. Same teams are picking at the top of the draft. <laughs> <laughs> who are you taking first to, to, <laughs> for your franchise, you know what? Corey? <laughs> I'm still I'm, – I'm scared out of my mind, but I'm still going to take Zion. Okay. And – I get it. Jaw's unbelievable. If yeah. anybody who says you should take Jaw, I am not going to say that you're wrong. Zion could ultimately end up the wrong choice. I'm super worried about his injury concerns. Uh, you know, the all that kind of outside noise, stuff like that. But I think he, like, when he plays, he's so damn good. Like, it's not like he hasn't been unbelievably impactful, right? Like, he is awesome he's an awesome basketball player that really brings so much and it's just such a such a force Ja is that too Ja's closing the gap though right especially when it comes especially because Zion's injury concerns on top of that I would have if I had to choose between the two I would have a panic attack before having to make (laughs) the decision I would I would feel bad either way I would be like I would feel have that like a little bit of like uh you know regret but um Ja is, I mean, he's probably my favorite player to maybe watch in the league right now. So choosing Zion over him, uh, you know, hurts in that respect. Cause I love watching him play. I love his attitude and his mentality and like that, that kind of special way that his teammates feed off of him. Uh, it's, you know, it, he's a special, special player. I'm just, I still, I still feel like Zion has that in him as well. And we're just, discounting that a little bit because he has all these injury concerns but it also wouldn't surprise me if you know all of a sudden his career ended up like Greg Oden and it's like job was the guy from the draft hopefully it doesn't and I mean Greg Oden was a good player he just happened to have the injuries but hopefully Zion could get away from these injuries and get healthy yeah 100 percent you know hopefully he he gets into it you know like they they build a team around him that makes sense um and he he gets himself healthy or he could join uh Cam and uh, RJ in New York. And uh, he, you know what? I'm a New Yorker. I live in New York. If that happened, I'm a New Yorker too. Yeah. If that happened, I, I don't even know what all my friends would do. I, I don't do even know that, how they would react. Do you think that's part? I mean, Cam's going to, Cam shows flashes of, wow. I mean, he yeah. could be really good. Yeah. But do you think that's like somewhat part of their plan a little bit? Like, you think that's, I look, if they're where there's smoke, there's fire. Right, right. I th- right. I think that I think the Knicks like that was an unbelievable deal for them. So it's like whether that was part of the plan or it was just like, hey, this really good player is available for Kevin yeah. Knox and a a protected and, they, that and, might and he's the type of player they need. A hundred percent. They yeah. They really miss a guy like I, they miss Reggie Bullock. Like, which sounds crazy 100%. to say, 
100%. right? But, but Cam could kind of fit that defensive role who could space the floor a little bit and, and do more than, than and, Reggie and Bullock. And he's more talented. Yeah. Yes, 100%. Yes. Most definitely. Corey, great stuff. Thank you so much for taking the time. We talked about it a little bit at the beginning, but uh, where can we find you on social media and everywhere else? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Corey Tulliba. Um, and then, uh, you, I mean, you'll find all my links from there, but uh, YouTube, the NBA Draft Dude, uh, the Draft Act podcast, everywhere podcasts are available. Um, and again, the No Ceilings uh, Collective, where all our written work takes place. It's myself, seven other draft guys. We post every single day. No Ceilings at Substack.com. It's free to subscribe. It goes right to your email. Um, I think that's pretty much everything. If not, you know, you'll find my stuff through all the other stuff I just listed. Corey, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Uh, talk soon. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you having me. It was a lot of fun. Anytime. There it was. Another episode of Combo's Court Podcast. Punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. Big thanks to Corey for joining in. Big thanks to everyone who tunes into Combo's Court across the globe. Don't forget to rate and review wherever you tune in to the show. If you're listening on the Apple Podcast app, leave a five-star rating and a friendly comment. Would greatly appreciate it. Be on the lookout for episode three, three, four. Combo, out.